Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Marty McDermott, the president of Franchise Interviews, and I can't start today's show without talking about the ISO 10002. You know, some people just love to complain, but companies have a responsibility to care. The International Organization for Standardization, ISO, has revised ISO 10002, the standard for complaint handling. This document enables organizations to foster a customer-focused environment, open the feedback, heightening their customer satisfaction. You can get the ISO 10002 standard from the American National Standards Institute, ANSI, the U.S. member body of ISO. Visit ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. That's ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 12 years now, we've been asking the franchipreneurs one-on-one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a full show today. Well, today we have our show broken into three parts, and in part one, we're going to be meeting with Mitchell Levy. And Mitchell Levy is the AHA guy at AHAThat.com and CEO and thought leader architect at ThinkAHA.com. He and his team make it easy for corporations to easily create compelling content that help turn their experts into recognized thought leaders. Mitchell is an Amazon best-selling author with 56 business books, contributor at Entrepreneur Magazine, and he's provided strategic consulting to over 100 companies. And Mitchell has the belief that you can write a book in simply eight hours. In part two, we're going to be meeting with Michael Peterson, and he is the author of How and Why to Franchise Your Business. And this book was written to be the go-to for new or would-be franchisers. It was written with someone from outside the industry in mind, and it dives deeply into such topics as preparing to become a franchisor, the legal repercussions of franchising, how to recruit the right candidates, and how to manage a franchise system. And that's coming all up on Franchise Interviews. So stick around because we have a great show. Blog Talk Radio. Start the new year with the latest and greatest phones from Sprint. For a limited time, be the first to get the hot new LG V20 phone and save 50% off instantly. That's over $350 in savings. Visit Sprint.com slash LGV20 or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 today. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Subject to credit and $30 activation fee. $16.50 per month for 24 months with installment billing taxes. Due to sale early termination results on remaining balance due restrictions apply. Blog Talk Radio. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi. 
Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 10 years, we've been asking the franchipreneurs on one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show today. We're meeting with Mitchell Levy, and Mitchell Levy is the AHA guy of AHAThat.com and CEO and thought leader architect at ThinkAHA.com. He and his team make it easy for corporations to easily create compelling content that help turn their experts into recognized thought leaders. I'm going to talk to Mitchell about that in just a moment on Franchise Interviews. So stick around because we have a great show. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity. Are you looking for a unique and lucrative franchise opportunity? If so, take a look at Stone Coat. With a patented process which creates a true stone finish on almost any wall or ceiling, Stone Coat is a true game-changing product in the multi-billion dollar construction industry. Stone Coat is applied faster, cleaner, and cheaper than conventional quarried stone, which saves both time and money. With advantages in remodel and new construction of both residential and commercial projects, Stone Coat is a true crossover product. The Stone Coat franchise opportunity provides a low startup cost, low operating expenses, comprehensive training, ongoing support, and no royalty payments. For more information on the Stone Coat franchise opportunity, go to www.stonecoatfranchise.com. That's www.stonecoatfranchise.com or call us at 972-380-2700. That's 972-380-2700. Franchise Interviews. From Eastern Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Franchise Teacher. Would you like to know how to franchise your concept or grow your franchise business? Meet the experts at Franchise Teacher. The goal of Franchise Teacher is to teach, coach, consult, and advise. The team of experts at Franchise Teacher will evaluate your business model and present you with a winning business strategy. Franchise Teacher will help you decide whether or not your concept works and if it's franchisable. Franchise Teacher is proud to have over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Franchise Teacher are developers of over a dozen franchise systems, which include brick and mortar as well as home-based concepts of nearly 3,000 combined franchise locations. Whether you need to add more units or get more customers, Franchise Teacher can help. We will teach. Franchise Teacher will help you learn our proven system. Coach. Franchise Teacher will help you provide a game plan to succeed. Consult. Franchise Teacher will make sure you stay on track. And advise. Franchise Teacher will help you learn from our over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Take advantage of our free no-obligation phone consultation. Simply go to FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. That's FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC, 
and you are listening to Franchise Interviews. Hi everyone, happy holidays and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews where for over 10 years now we've been asking the franchipreneurs one one. I'm your host Marty McDermott, I'm the president of Franchise Interviews and as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with Mitchell Levy and Mitchell Levy is the AHA guy of AHAThat.com and CEO and thought leader architect at ThinkAHA.com. He and his team make it easy for corporations to easily create compelling content that help their experts into recognized thought leaders. Mitchell's also an Amazon best-selling author with 56 business books. Hey, Mitchell, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Marty, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you, Mitchell. I have to start off saying that I'm a fan. I've uh, you know listened to your podcast. I've seen your webinars, and, and I, I think you're just fantastic. You do a great job with those. Oh, you're way too cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you're welcome. You know, I have I have a selfish a selfish uh, motive uh, for having you on the show too, Mitchell. You know, one of my unrealized dreams is to publish a book. You know, and I just find it so hard to get started. And I learned about you, and um, you know, you I, I saw the um, the the writing a book in eight hours, and I said, oh my god. I have to have you on the show. So, you know, maybe we can go like right into that, you know, right into that question that, you know, how can anyone write a book in eight hours? Oh, I, by the way, great question. And, uh, and I'm happy to help uh, deal with your selfish issue, which of course is, <laughs> is not really, honestly, it's not really selfish. I'd say at least 80 or 90% of people in business today have a, a bucket list item at some point in time of right. writing their book. Right. And, you know, what's really fascinating, we've, as a publisher, we've published over 800 titles. And, wow. and it's interesting, when I talk to somebody, I know right away whether or not they're really going to write their book or not, or they say they're going to take a couple months, but I know it's a right. couple years. You, you could just right. tell. So what I've been able to do, what I've been focused on, is trying to make the most easiest way to actually write a book that solves a problem of one of the reasons why we're trying to write the book. So right. first, why do we why do we write a book? To me, we write a book because it makes us to makes us out to be the expert in the space. Sure. And as the expert in the space, we get more business or whether it's consulting or selling or sell more product or get asked to speak at events. You know, right. it's kind of like getting a PhD. You write a book because sure. you get a PhD, you're the expert. Exactly. Now, the other thing we have to do, and I'm then, and, and as soon as I give you this definition, I'll then tell you how do you do it in eight hours. Okay. The other thing we have to do, and you've done this very well, is you have to have a reasonable social media presence. Right. And, and what does that mean? You know, you have good pictures, you have good copy. It's sure. not about just a resume. It's good, compelling stuff, and you need to share content. Now, right. when you're sharing content. Here, here's what I say as a thought leader architect. You've got to share 80% of what you share should be somebody else's. Mm, right? Because what it does, it, 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 it makes you out to be a people of the people, not a people of yourself. I like that. that makes sense, right? It does, so You're not yes. just selling you. You're actually saying, hey, you want to be a franchise owner. You want to be a franchise operator. You want to be successful at what right. you do. Hey, Go and listen to this podcast. Go over here and do these things. Tell me your stories. Right? You want to 
you want to sound like and be like you're part of the community. Okay. So now let me tell you what what a the platform as you mentioned is aha that. Right. Uh one issue we solve is we solve the issue of having content. We've got thirty six thousand quotes that are available today for free that you could share in seconds. That's incredible. So looking for content to share, go to ahadat.com and all the content's there and it's available for you to share. Now That's fantastic. here's where it gets really interesting. An aha book, which is a social media enabled ebook. So I can come back and tell you what that means. An aha sure. book is what's written in eight hours or less. And an aha book compa- contains 140 bite-sized quotes. I see. So when you write your aha book, you now are added to that 36,000 quotes. And here's the cool part. If you do it right and you share appropriately, not just you are sharing your content, but other people, your fans, your advocates, people who don't know you yet, right. are reading and sharing your content. And by sharing, so let's talk about what an AHA book is because we can turn AHA books into paperback and hardcover, PDF right. and Kindle. But an AHA book, let's let's look at uh, just for simplicity. Let's say there are only three types of ebook formats. Um, one is obvious, a PDF. We know that as, right. a, as an ebook. Right. Um, another is an EPUB, which is typically what you do to, to put a book onto Kindle. Okay. And what I what I want to propose is the third one is the AHA book, which is part of the platform. It's a social media-enabled ebook, which means that every quote in the book has a button underneath it, and the button says Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+. Wow. And so you have the ability um, as a user of the platform, as you're looking at a quote, you like it, you click on a button, and you share it on the social media platform that you use most often. So it becomes interactive, Mitchell, doesn't it? Well, it's it's what I've done, and, and what's relevant to you, is I've taken the power of being the author of a book and combined that with the speed to market and awareness you can get with social media. Right. Which is the challenge, isn't it, Mitchell? You know, because you've been doing this a long time now, is, you know, I mean – you know, someone could spend years, I guess, writing a book, but then, you know, then they have the other issue is, is marketing it, right? I mean, creating awareness. I mean, it's, it's, it, that's probably a, another animal within itself, isn't it? Oh, Marty, it's, it's more than another animal. What I'll tell authors, and they'll, also, they'll often have a sigh when I tell them this, the actual act of writing your book is only 10% of the success of your book. Wow. The other 90% is marketing. Yeah. Well, people don't realize that, right? They, right, you they all, don't. You always hear about the story of the guy who wrote the book, and it becomes a bestseller, and, you know, life has changed. And, exactly. And that's the same as winning the lottery. It doesn't yes. happen to a lot of us. And you've solved that problem, haven't you? You know, and you know, how did you come up with this great idea, Mitchell? You know, I mean, it's you know, we've been doing this show ten years now. You know, we always try to get to, you know, the root of you know how entrepreneurs or you know someone like yourself, you know, how did you come up with this idea? Because I think it's fantastic. Oh, uh, thank you. Really appreciate it. You know, it's it, I, I'd love to be able to say um, one day I was sitting in a room and or or, <laughs> or more importantly, sort of like a. Like a, a J.K. Rawlings, I was sitting right. in a pub drinking a scotch, and, and uh, <laughs> I had this idea. Um, sure. Reality is you just – what people often don't do is they often don't spend enough time 
process being in the present and watching for their presence. Right. Right. So what I mean is, you know, great opportunities come along and because they're not in the standard business or what you normally do, you just let them go. So when I started my publishing company, the first thing I started thinking about, how do I make it easy? Right. So we have a book series called Happy About. It's 25,000 word books versus 40,000. It's two to four months versus six to uh, or actually 18 to 24. And I thought that was cool. Right. A process improvement on that. Uh, We have another book series called 42 Rules. A book in the 42 Rules series is comprised of 42 500 word articles. Wow. And so if you've written a blog, your book is primarily done. You just need to clean things up, right? So that was not that, that. You know, again, another another simple approach on a book. Right. I then had a partner come to me and say, you know, let's do something with Twitter. What if we created a book that was comprised of 140 quotes? And I'm like, oh, that wow. sounds interesting. That's and so clever. we did that. We published about 60 or 70 of those. But well, I'll tell you the unclever part is as a publisher, I required people to do the physical book first. Okay. And then I would create – we had an iPhone app. Then we would create an AHA you – know, we'd create a, 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 a book on the ebook platform, you know, the iPhone app with their, sure. their ThinkAHA book. In it. And, and uh, so I started consulting again uh, three years ago. I, I became the first thought leader architect in the world, and, and I put on my thought leader architect hat versus my publisher hat. And, and Marty, this is when I had that V8 moment. It's yeah. like, why am I causing people to write a physical book, which takes more time to write, more money right. to publish, before yes. they do the online book? Why don't we do the Why don't we do the online book first? And you know, like oh, <laughs> and, and it's just you know, once again, once you think of an idea like like that, you go, right. oh, well, that's obvious, right? And of course, and so we got rid of the iPhone app and created a web-based platform called now called Aha That, and created processes around doing things quickly. So if you want to learn how to write quickly, if you go to com slash author, that's where we actually have it. – it's an eight-step process. And that's in amazing. those steps I'll – tell, I'll tell you about steps one, two, and three. Um, but in those steps, I actually have things that, regardless of whether or not you write an AHA book, those are th- there are two things that are valuable for you. A step two – and I know I said it's an eight-step process, but steps nine and ten are also valuable. So step two is a single-page PDF on how to write a good aha message. Wow. Now, given that we've published 36,000 aha messages and given that I've got 48,000 followers on Twitter and I've tweeted 23,000 times, I think I'm good at this. Sure, of course. So I created a single-page PDF that you have access to and anyone does. And feel free to print it out, share it, do whatever you want with it because it's my contribution back to you. The second thing is steps 9 to 10, as you can imagine, is all about marketing. Steps 1 to 8 is how to to write and publish. And so it's it's a single-page PDF, and it has lots of tips and tricks. And now I say it's how do you market your AHA book, but honestly, it's how do you market anything that's a product or service that you have. Sure, of course. So – so, guys, feel free. Go to ahathat.com slash author, and those are two two pieces of content. There's no – you just go there. You, you download it. It's yours to play with. Now, the marketing Marty, is everything, about, isn't it, Mitch? 
I, I was going to say oh. the marketing is everything, isn't it, Mitchell? You know, I mean, it's, I, I heard you on an interview once talking about Donald Trump, you know, I mean, and, and his success was pretty much based on marketing, wasn't it? Oh, crazy. Well, he was – his success is not – is under – is based on a very fundamental tenet that politicians hadn't listened to before. Right. And the tenet is attention – is more important than content. Interesting. Now, I'm not convinced I agree with this philosophically or personally. Right. Sure. I've got a big integrity bone. But what Donald Trump recognized is it didn't matter what he said. What mattered is the press was writing about him. Right, right. Right? That's and then the other thing he did, which was spectacular, is he used modern-day marketing technology – to to actually drive awareness to his platform and get people who had a certain feeling to actually get a message that represented that feeling. Right. Now, well, you guys can do me. that. It's. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, remind me when you were talking about Twitter, Mitchell, you know, it's, it's the, the success of Twitter, you know, and then, of course, you know, your expertise and your background in that, and you know the power of Twitter, don't you? It's crazy. It is. Um, it, it's it, for those people who are franchise owners, here's what's interesting. Um, think about the franchise you're in. Think about the client base you have. Right. And if you have the ability to create a book that talks about the problems that your clients have, very easy to do. As a matter of fact, what's right. really cool, if you did it as a franchise, if you actually sat down, wrote an aha book, and it solved a problem and brought you business – why couldn't you then sell that book or a co co authored version of that book to other franchisees, other franchisee owners right. in your company? Right? So very yeah, interesting stuff. And what we do, Martin Marty, one of the things that's fascinating is we, we do the AHA book first and an upgrade package is if you decide you wanted a PDF or a Kindle version, that's one upgrade package. Another is if you want a paperback or hardcover book. And depending on the franchisee, that the operation you have, sometimes handing out a hardcover book gives more credibility than you could possibly get in anything else. Right. And if it solves the problem, right, if it, if it addresses the question or the problem and you've got in there bite-sized solutions – by definition, you're considered the expert, and people want to talk to you and get to know you better and hire you. That's so true. That's so true. You know, we've been doing the show now 10 years, Mitchell, you know, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, every interview, we've done 500 interviews up to this point, you know, and it's amazing. Everyone I talk to, you know, like yourself, I mean, they have this amazing story that I always feel like all of them, you know, should be sharing, you know, and I always say after every interview, I say, that's a book right there, you know, and, and, and you know, you just see the value, you know, in, in, in this type of service. So I, I think it's fantastic. Use the word a lot, um, thought leaders, you know, and it's, it's, I know it's, it's tough to describe a thought leader in, you know, in, in a short period of time. Um, but, but that's pretty much what you do. Uh, how can your audience become thought leaders, Mitchell? So a, a good way to describe it, a thought leader is the recognized expert in the space they play. Right. Right. So that's a, that's another way to think. Thought leader has so many words and associations. And if, if you really want to see 
Um, I, I've got a robust marketing two-by-two two matrix of what okay. thought leadership really is, and I'll explain right. it in a second. It'll take you about a minute. But if you go to the website Think Aha, so it's okay. just T-H-I-N-K-A-H-A.com, I've got a tab there called Thought Leadership. And in that tab, I've got a, I've got a definition of thought leadership. So I've got videos you're going to watch. I've got a definition. And the two-by-two two for thought leadership is – audience by content uh, right so it's how much how much what audience do you have and what content do you have and what the way i'd like to explain it for anyone who's listening is the when you hear the word thought leader you think about somebody grandiose who stands up there and they right. speak and the world listens that's right. not realistic in today's world sure thought leaders are people who are doing things like you marty you are a thought leader you're a in uh, rather i'd rather call it an aha leader you're an aha leader to an audience helping provide content and value to the people who, who listen to you, who read you, who watch what you do, who, right. you know, who care about you. So what, what the thought leader is, or, or in this case, what the aha leader, they have the right amount of content for the right audience. I see. Right? So I use the word right. Right, And what right means is, well, you don't have to if, – if your audience is not the world, if your audience is a block or a city sure. or a state, it's, it's, you know, it's a different approach. And, and so it's the right content. So it's what does, what does the audience you serve need? And once again, 20% is yours who you've originated. 80% you're collecting from other people. No better way than collect from other people than doing a radio show or, or sure. a, podca- you know, a podcast, right? And uh, so thought leaders are people who have the right amount of content for the right audience. Now, how do you create thought leaders? The most easiest way is to write a book because, by definition, you're considered an expert in your space if you write a book. Um, And that's why part of the reason we created the platform is – so one reason is, A, you become a recognized expert almost immediately because you're now the author of the book. But B, and you mentioned this before – most people don't really know what the word marketing means or how to spell it. And it was really frustrating to publish authors' books. And then they we'd publish their book and they'd tell a couple of family members, but no friends and none of their work buddies and no books would sell. And they'd want to, want, right. want to know why. <laughs> right? Exactly. So of course. What's, yeah. Well, so what's super cool about AHA that is we are – when you write your AHA book – you are by definition writing one or two quarters of social media content. That's fantastic. It's, it's one of those hidden jewels, right? It's it's the I, I Marty, I got this with me. I hope you don't mind. I'm going to press the easy oh, button. That was easy. So, so I press the staples <laughs> easy button. That's great. Right? So so we press the easy button on sharing content because there's already quotes out there you could share. We press the easy button on writing a book which if you decide you want to turn into paperback or hardcover, you can, or you can keep it as an aha book. And we press the easy button because by going through the processes, oh, that's right, I was going to tell you about steps one and three of the process. But but by going through the processes, you're actually writing the social media content that you can now have other people share, but at least the stuff that they share, like lots of people, they, they, they don't want to get involved with social media at all, so they hire outside people. The outside right. people share their stuff, but it may not be the stuff you want them to share. Sure. So if you write an AHA book, you're you're telling them what you want them to share. Right? That's fantastic. That's great. How how is business changing, Mitchell, and, and how will it continue to change? I mean, you know, if you you look down the road, you know, three years, five years down the road, 
changes do you see taking place? Oh, it's huge. Well, I think the very cool part about you asking me this question, Marty, is the the idea and concept of working at a company and being there for years and potentially right. retiring there and getting a pension, that yeah. concept is way gone. It is. Now, the Potentially for many people, and certainly the younger generation going into the workforce today, uh, a lot of them don't see the value of college. A lot of them uh, want right. to do startups. They see themselves jumping every year to a new location, a new place. Um, what's really important is having multiple revenue streams. So on a right. franchise organization, having an opportunity to take advantage of the processes that some some other person has put into place is great. Having a couple of franchise organizations or a couple of uh, opportunities, different revenue streams coming in the door is really important because we we keep seeing life changing. And what's happening is you, you the individual, are responsible for your well-being. And right. you've got to figure out how to do that. And so it's it comes down to, you know, it, it's, if you can work, if you're a corporate person, you want to work there, great. I, I would just say keep educating yourself because mm-hmm. uh, being in Silicon Valley, what I often see, unfortunately, is I, I see somebody who had an expertise in a certain area and uh, right. let's say a certain chip from Intel. And Intel changes t- chip direction, and the person never learned the new thing, and then they're out of a job, and they never get a new one, right? So sure, absolutely. And that's why I like I like franchises. I like multiple revenue streams. Um, you could absolutely the cool part about if you're thinking about uh, testing the waters in some area, uh, write an aha book. You know, you sure. could do it through interviewing other people, and you'll get a ton of ideas of what's happening, what's changing. Uh, Marty, can I tell you about steps one and three? Would you mind? I would love to hear steps one and three. I didn't mean to cut you off on that. I got a little bit excited. Uh. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. I, I uh, At the beginning of the program, how do I write a book super quickly? Yeah. Um, I put a process in place. We've had hundreds of authors write their books in eight hours or less. Step one is is a single Word document or a Google Doc, and it asks right. questions like, what's your name? What's your bio? There are two questions that are really important, other than, let's say, the title of your book. What is a one-paragraph summary of the book? And, and probably the most important is, what is the audience who's going to read the book, and how will they benefit, or how do they take right. advantage? Right. Right, because that's basically what you're doing. is before you start writing your book, you're putting your, goal, you're putting your end goal in mind. Sure. Right? It's pretty simple. Sure. Um, once you hear that, you can never unhear it. Right. That's By the true. Way, anything to do in life. Before you start something, you should know what the end goal is, right? Exactly. Any goal in life. And once you've done that, now the cool part is we do when we publish your book, we'll create a cover for you. We'll do a copy edit, which is English. We'll also do a content edit. A content edit means that we look at what you're writing and make sure you adhere to what you said you're gonna write. I right. we read the answers to those questions. And make sure we're doing. You're doing what you said you're going to do. All right? I so that's see. Step one. Right. Right. Simple. Right. Um, it is absolutely. We also just as as an aside, when we create your marketing material, we take the content from there as well. Okay. I, I'm a big fan of doing something once and then repurposing it multiple times. 
Right, right. Um, step two I mentioned is the how to write an aha message. Step three, we give you an Excel document or Google Doc that keeps track of the character count because you know your quote should be 140 characters or less, including right. the Twitter handle, which gives you uh, which denotes that this content is yours. Right. Right. So we give you a spreadsheet that keeps a character count. And so we'll do a copy edit and a content edit of the spreadsheet. We'll, if you need it, we'll do a little bit of strategic work with you. Because when you write your book, we, you typically want to have a Twitter handle to demark your content. Right. And the cool part about that is when your content is shared, it gets shared with your Twitter handle. So if you're listening appropriately, you're hearing when people are sharing your content. And I think if I'll leave you with one big mistake people make in the world of social media today Mm -hmm. that you would never make in the physical – if somebody comes to your business and they knock on the door and you're not open yet, um, you know, if if you're an employee, you you don't open it. If you're the owner, you open the door, right? That's great. Um, in social media, when people knock on your door, most of the people just ignore it. They don't even answer. That's true. Right? And so it's not about what you share and super compelling content that gets people's attention. You absolutely want to do that. You should be spending your time in social media focused on when people touch your content that you respond to them. When I people see. tweet or retweet or rethink or quote, the stuff you're doing, at the very minimum, every now and then you say thanks. Or if they're asking a question, you respond to their question. It's when you hear the word social media, what happens is people think about the media part of the word and they ignore the social part. Yes, it's well said. Very well said. I find that people think, uh, you know, I, I teach for Kaplan University, Mitchell, and I find a lot of my students think that social media is advertising, you know, and I, I find that interesting that they still have that perception, you know, and advertising is, is a totally other animal from social media, isn't it? Oh, it's crazy. Well, advertising is talking about me. Social sure. media is a we. Conver- social media yeah. is we, not me. And, and that's why as an aha leader, you're talking about how you and the audience can benefit from what you're doing. Um, if you talk about me, 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 in, in social media, people get turned off right away. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's great advice. One of the things I, I like to recommend, and I, I thought it was brilliant, Mitchell, is you, you talk about taking one piece of content and turning it into five or ten platforms sometimes. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, sure, sure. I... Uh, uh, I I think this is the show that you referred to at the beginning. I have a show called Thought Leader Life. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go to thoughtleaderlife.com, uh, you could see what we're doing. And what what we do there is is we start off with a Google Hangout, which means that I have guests that I'm interviewing and we stream live to YouTube. And often what happens is we then take that video that's created and we also share it on SlideShare as a video. Right. We then strip out the audio and that becomes the podcast that we add to iTunes. And I also put it into an existing podcast channel. I then have my team listen to the podcast and write a blog post. 
They also listen to the broadcast, and they pull out every half hour, we pull out 40 or 50 aha messages. Wow. So so as a service, here's what's interesting. As a service, I grab a co-host for the month. As opposed to doing individual sessions, I I grab a co-host for the month. And we we basically talk about what content do we want to talk about, right? What's the topic? And what will happen is I'll do a 15-minute show with the co-host. Then I'll do a half-hour show, and we'll bring on four guests. Okay. And so what happens – and so here's – I'll run this by really quickly. So I grab a co-host for the month. We charge for this service, and we end up doing five video interviews. So we got five videos. We also have, by definition – five audios. We end up with six blog posts because we do a summary blog post as well. We also end up with, because we pulled out 40 or 50 aha messages from every show, we end up with a aha book. Uh, We do a PDF, a Kindle, a paperback, and a hardcover version. So so largely for a month, I end up with 21 assets. (laughs) You know, the, the videos, the audios, the, you know, and it's just, what's fascinating is People consume data in different ways. Right, that's true. But the end product, if I told you, if you were curious about cause marketing, I could tell you I got five videos you could watch, or you can go to the AHA book on cause cause marketing, and in 10 to 15 minutes, you could learn a lot of the best practices. Now, what do you choose? Well, some people people may go to the audio and listen on iTunes. You know, it's two hours and 15 minutes, or other people may go and read the AHA book or the physical book. Right. That's fantastic. The, we talk a lot about social media, Mitchell. You know, you talk about how social media doesn't really have to consume your life, does it? You know, I mean, you, you talk about how you can effectively use it five minutes a day. You want to talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's a fascinating topic. Well, I cheated a little bit by saying it before, so you'll now get what I'm saying uh, okay. spot on. It's, remember, I talked about social media being about the social part. Yes. So if you want to do social media in five minutes a day, I swear, if you're not doing social today, first of all, let's step back. If you're not doing social media today, you have a choice. Are you retiring anytime soon? And if the answer is no, I would tell you that this is really not an option for you. Right. You've got to have reasonable presence, and you've got to be out there. Why? Uh, Marty, if I met you at a pub or met you at a business meeting or a conference, the first thing I do before I interact with you is I go back to wherever I need to type in your name. I right. Google, Google you and see what comes up. Sure, and of course. And the social media companies have spent enough money and energy to make sure that if you're in LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook that your name's going to come up appropriately. Yes. And I'm going to see who you are and how you interact with your audience. Right? And so that's important. That's right. So you've got to do that. So how do you do it in five minutes a day? Um, you, you first, when you wake up in the morning or whenever you can get to social media, you spend a minute. And in that minute, you share one, two, three pieces of content. That's right. it. And, and here's, what's, here's what I love about the – the AHA That platform, if you have an AHA book you like, if it's spot on, you just open up the platform, go to the last page you're at, and hit share two or three times. Okay? So, so now you've shared your content. Then go away. Come back a couple hours later or whatever is appropriate for you 
Mm-hmm. Look for the people who have touched your content. I see. So they've tweeted or retweeted or commented on your content, and then talk back to them. Actually, talk back is not the right word. Then interact with them. With them. Right? That's so clever. spend four minutes sort of acknowledging that, that you appreciate them sharing your stuff. Now, it could be people in your network because you're sharing to your network. Because we include the Twitter handle of the author, it could be the author themselves. It could be anyone in the author's network who notices what you're doing. Right? right. So it's an interesting way to grow your network is by just acknowledging and sharing good content and then acknowledging and interacting uh, with the people who touch what you're doing. And, and, you know, what happens is give it five minutes a day for a week and see what happens. How do you feel? Right? right. Have you interacted with new people? Have you grown your network a little bit? And make a decision then if you want to grow it from five minutes to ten minutes. You know, it's just you could decide how much time you spend. Uh, it's just the eighty twenty rule. Think about eighty percent of the time you spend interacting with the people who want to interact with you because they've touched your content. It's I mean it's very clever, Mitchell. You know, and I'm guilty of of you know, using the bad practice, you know, spending too much time reaching the people that aren't interacting, you know, and I'm not spending enough time, you know, I actually feeling really guilty, you know, with, with people who retweet my post or, uh, you know, that we do really well on LinkedIn, um, not spending enough time with those people, you know, who, who share a post or something like that. And it's just, it's, it's, it's really enlightening talking to you, I have to say. Oh, well, you're absolutely welcome. And yeah, you don't really, it, it's, <laughs> It, I have to say, it's one of those things that once you hear it, it's hard not to hear it anymore. Right, you know, exactly. Like, like you're going to feel guilty. You say, oh, I should. And, and you know what? What's fascinating is the level of engagement that will happen post you doing that will also increase. And you just – the thing that you don't recognize and people often don't do is how much business can you – can you in can you get from your existing customer base? Right. Right? Or even just the friends and family or the close associates of your customer base. Right? If you end up having a phenomenal interaction with somebody who's a just good loyal customer today, that may be the trigger that encourages them to want to send some of their friends your way. Exactly. That's fantastic. It, it's really it's it, it, it's incredible. What's what's the best way for our listeners, Mitchell, to get more information, you know, on all your services? Because I know you have a lot of different websites that you know people can go to. Um, it, did you want to you know direct our listeners to, to those websites? Oh, I know. I, yeah, I send so many websites out to the people, but the yeah, there there are two things you could do. One, if if you're interested. Um, you could just Google my name, Mitchell Levy, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, last name L-E-V-Y. Um, okay. I, I'll come up probably five, six, seven times in the top ten. Uh, feel do. free to connect to me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, on Facebook, if you decide to connect with me, if you're a Facebook user, tell me why. Because if I right. don't know you, it's going to be harder for me to – because there's a limit, a 5,000-person limitation there. Sure. Um, additionally – I'd say go to ahavat.com uh, or go to ahavat.com slash author. Start writing your book. When you submit, we have a process of when you submit your content. When you submit your content, if you want to learn a little bit more or get my input, 
input on whether or not what you're doing is moving in the right direction, uh, just make sure you say, hey, I heard Mitchell on your show, on Marty's show, and right. you would like you would like him to spend a, a little bit of time just looking through the submission. And, and my people will make sure I get it and, and, and take a look at what you're doing. I'm happy to do that for your audience, Marty. That's fantastic. I want to thank you for coming on the show. Are you looking for a franchise that delivers? Businesses will always need shipping, and for more than 25 years, loyal customers have depended on Unishippers for reliable savings and exceptional customer service. Unishippers is focused on just one thing, helping small and medium-sized businesses save time and money on all their shipping needs. And as the largest reseller of complete shipping services in the country, we have the buying power to ensure that we succeed. The Unishippers franchise offers low startup costs, no equipment or real estate required because they're not retail, residual income, and a quality of life and work-life balance. For more information on becoming a Unishippers franchisee, go to www.unishippers.com and click Franchise Opportunities or call Franchise Development at 801-708-5822. That's 801-708-5822. Franchisers, are you looking to reach aspiring entrepreneurs looking to buy a franchise? Are you looking to reach a highly educated audience on franchising? For over eight years, Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship through our website, FranchiseInterviews.com, where you can hear and read interviews as well as get tips from some of the most successful sources in franchising. Our weekly franchise radio show where each week you get to hear a new interview with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys, and our podcast, Great Quotes in Franchising. For more information, go to FranchiseInterviews.com or call us at 610-905-2919. That's 610-905-2919. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 11 years now, we've been asking the entrepreneurs one-on-one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show today. We're meeting with franchise author and franchise expert and the president of Franchise Beacon, Michael Peterson. And whether you're looking to start or grow an existing franchise, Franchise Beacon offers the expertise and services that can help guide your franchise business to success. And we're going to talk to Michael about that in just a moment on Franchise Interviews. Stick around because we have a great show. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity. Are you looking for a unique and lucrative franchise opportunity? 
If so, take a look at Stone Coat. With a patented process which creates a true stone finish on almost any wall or ceiling, Stone Coat is a true game-changing product in the multi-billion dollar construction industry. Stone Coat is applied faster, cleaner, and cheaper than conventional quarried stone, which saves both time and money. With advantages in remodel and new construction of both residential and commercial projects, Stone Coat is a true crossover product. The Stone Coat franchise opportunity provides a low startup cost, low operating expenses, comprehensive training, ongoing support, and no royalty payments. For more information on the Stone Coat franchise opportunity, go to www.stonecoatfranchise.com. That's www.stonecoatfranchise.com or call us at 972-380-2700. That's 972-380-2700. Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC, and you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews, from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 11 years now, we've been asking the franchipreneurs of own one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with franchise author, franchise expert, and the president of Franchise Beacon, Michael Peterson. And whether you're looking to start a franchise or grow an existing franchise, Franchise Beacon offers the expertise and services that can help guide your franchise business to success. Hi, Michael. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, Marty. How's everything today? Everything's going well, Michael. It's great to finally have you on the show. We always like to ask our guest, Michael, where are you calling from today? (laughs) Sure. Uh, Great question. Well, I think I told you before, I've kind of lived all around the world in you know, 12 yeah. states and three countries. Uh, I spent a year recently in the beautiful city of Cali, Colombia. But a year wow. ago, like this week, I came back stateside and I landed in Dallas. Uh, I have two franchisors that I represent here. And so uh, I came here to be closer to them and be talking to you from sunny Irving, Texas right now in the DFW marketplace. Oh, that's fantastic. It's actually a beautiful day here, too, in Pennsylvania, Michael. We had such a long winter here, so it's fine. it finally feels like spring or actually almost summer already for the air conditioner already, so it's, it's, that's fantastic. So before we even get into franchising, Michael, I mean, you have, you know, in studying your background, I mean, you have a pretty heavy background in entrepreneurship, right? You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure, I do, and it's actually, um, you know, it really helps when I talk to new or prospective uh, franchisees or franchisors that mm-hmm. I do have a pretty heavy background in uh, entrepreneurship. I've, you know, I've kind of done what other people are considering doing. So I had my first real business, if you will, uh, when I was 17. Yeah. Uh, I was a partner in a sales organization. We had three offices throughout the state of Montana. Um, I did three-year stint in the Army, but other than that, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. That's great. It's, you know, it sounds so young now, too, doesn't it? Like, I don't know if you, but 17, I said, God, it sounds like, you know, what a young age. I just hit my 50th <laughs> birthday, you know? So it sounds like, you say, God, 17 years old, you know, when I was looking at that, I said, you know, that's amazing. It's just such a young age. So I, I think that's fantastic. So, you know, in, in looking at your background, I mean, over the last 12 years or so, Michael, I mean, through, you know, franchising has really been your thing, and, and you have a book out. It's called How and Why to Franchise Your Business, and you teach about franchise development through a couple of large franchise associations, um, the IFA, uh, IFPG, which I'm very familiar with. And you write a lot about franchising. It, it's obviously become your passion. So how did mm-hmm. you first get involved in the industry then? 
Sure, sure, and, and you're right. It is uh, it is an industry I'm very passionate about. I actually kind of dipped my toe into it in 2005. Uh, okay. My business partner, uh, Charles Franklin, and I were running a marketing company, and one of our clients uh, was a windshield replacement com- uh, company based out of Phoenix. Right. And they uh, they were relying on us for a lot of things, and they wanted to check out this franchising thing. So Charles had been a right. franchisee years before in the uh, you know, wireless cell phone stores. Um, and that was kind of the extent of our knowledge, but we started digging and researching and helping put together an offering. Um, and then we actually, through some contacts of Charles, we introduced him to their first franchisee, which did not turn out how most franchisors normally do. Uh, the franchisee right. bought him out. Uh, okay. So they had one franchisee, and then they became the uh, largest uh, windshield replacement, or second largest in the country, and didn't franchise. Wow. About two years later is when I really, uh, you know, got involved in franchising. Uh, Charles right. and I were asked to start up, a, uh, head up the franchise development of a what it then was a startup company called Play and Trade Video Games, uh, and really yeah. launch their franchise side. And the franchisor actually ran the same team was ran by the same team that Charles was a franchisee with ten years ago. Uh, or 10 years prior to that. Uh, so we, we did. We, we jumped into it. That's fantastic. So Play and Trade, I mean, they, they you know, I, I remember that. I mean, they got pretty big. I remember seeing them all over the place, Michael. I mean, we've been doing the show now 11 years. So, you know, right, right before the big recession hit. So it seemed like you guys were growing like crazy. Would you say that's accurate? And, and how did all of that happen? Um, yeah, the crazy is the right word. Uh, honestly, the growth was unprecedented. <laughs> um, yeah. We were based in Orange County, California. Uh, in 2006, we had four stores open. In 2008, we were listed as the fastest-growing company in Orange County with revenues at $7 million and 2,000% year-over-year growth. Um, just to put a little perspective on that, that same year, Vizio yeah. uh, was number four uh, as the fastest-growing wow. companies in Orange County, and they'd been number two the previous year. So we were growing like crazy. Um, we opened, on average, a location every day for about 400 days. Uh, so we have a lot of stores open. Uh, and then, you know, the recession hit. Uh, unfortunately for us, the timing yeah. was worse than most uh, because right. at the exact same time, the video games went from the console to the cell phone, right? That's about when Angry right. Birds came out, if you remember that. Um, of course. And so all of a sudden, video games went from, you know, your TV to your pocket. And so it was like a recession inside of a recession. Yeah, that's something. So you, you told me before, uh, Michael, that um, that was when you actually moved out of franchise sales, and then you moved into franchise legal. And you know that seems like an interesting move. You, you have actually held a lot of different positions in franchising. Maybe you could quickly talk about you know the various roles that you've held in franchising. Sure, sure. It was an, an interesting move. Uh, it was a necessary one. I had zero uh, background in legal, but the company was going right. through some legal problems and needed a business mind, not a legal mind there. Um, so I spent about a year as the legal liaison for play and trade, um, took care of some legal issues they were having with the state of California and some franchisees. And then I went from there and took over the franchise support department. Um, Shortly after that, we merged that department with training, and I was uh, heading up training and support for new and existing franchises. And right. then, you know, eventually I was uh, basically uh, running the company. I was the chief administrative officer, oversaw the day-to-day functions of the organization. Uh, so that was my career, you know, there at Play and Trade. And then Charles, right. uh, who was still with the company at the time, in fact, he was the chief development officer, 
2013, we decided to focus on this little side business that we had been running called Franchise Beacon uh, full-time. Right. And then as the president of Franchise Beacon, you know, I've worked with small companies, launching them into the franchise space. Uh, I've worked with large franchisors, helping them bring their recruitments kind of you know, next level. Uh, right. We've designed and implemented training programs, written FDDs, and all that stuff. That's fantastic. But, so, I mean, you may. But only, I have seen franchise you, okay. sales the whole time. Uh, I've also focused on franchise sales the whole time. So, it's always been kind of my passion. Right, right. That's fantastic. So, I mean, you mainly work with franchisers, but for our franchisee audience, Michael, we call them aspiring franchipreneurs. I mean, you can really bring a different perspective because it sounds like, you know, you've looked at franchising from literally every angle. So, what advice would you give our listeners that are thinking of? becoming franchisees. Yeah, and so what's interesting is, you know, the advice that I would give to a prospective or new franchisee, a prospective franchipreneur, is the same advice that I would give to uh, prospective or new franchisors. There's just a ton of crossover. How how so, Um, Michael? Like in what way? Yeah, let, let me give you a few examples. I tell franchisors to be really careful about awarding franchisees to individuals that are so passionate about the business model Right. that they don't ask the right questions, right? Um, and right. as somebody who ran a video game franchise or I saw firsthand, I mean, those are some really passionate people. And what happens when somebody's so passionate about the industry or product as a consumer that they don't do their due diligence as an owner? Um, right. Now, nothing that I do or say is going to convince someone to get into a business that they find boring and I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Don't get so fired up about the business model or the industry or the growth that you don't, you know, look under the hood. Um, right. Another example is when I'm working with a franchise prospect, I make sure that the franchisor gets comfortable with all of the players. Um, I've ran into situations in the past where there was a silent investor, and I'm using air quotes here, in a franchise okay. uh, that ended up calling all the shots. And fortunately, that person hadn't gone through training uh, and didn't really have goals that were aligned with the franchisor. And, you know, they wouldn't have been approved, honestly, and the one I'm thinking of wouldn't have been approved as a franchisee. That same advice stands for a prospective franchisee. When you're looking at a franchise, don't just talk to me. You know, don't just talk to the development team. Um, And and it's not because franchise salespeople are dishonest. Uh, By and large, they're not. You can't survive in this business without a super high level of integrity. Uh, But franchise development people are often disconnected, you know, from the day-to-day ops of the franchise. Um, And especially when you're looking at a large franchisor, uh, make sure that you speak with all the players, the people in charge of training, people in charge of support, finance, real estate, everything that's going to impact your business. Um, Now, you know, one of one of the franchises I work with, uh, building kids is a preschool, um, and in that case, you know, those all of those hats are worn by mainly by three people. So if you're working with a young Uh franchisor you might be talking to the same person and that's fine. Right. But just right. make sure you're spending time with the people that you're going to be interacting with for the next 10, 20 years. Yeah, because that's a long time, isn't it, Michael? 10, 20 years. You know, I mean, it's a long <laughs> commitment. You know, I like how you mentioned, you know, to look under the hood. You know, I think that's such a, a great analogy, you know, for, for buying a franchise. One of the questions I get all the time, because I've been doing this show now, it's going to be 12 years in November, Michael. It, it, I always get the question, what's the best franchise to buy right now? How do you typically answer that question? <laughs> yes, I, I'm sure over 12 years you've uh, heard that a lot, and there's always that hot yes. thing on the market, right, whether it's yoga right. or cell phones or whatever it is. 
Uh, and it's tempting, uh, of course, for me to answer by mentioning one of my brands. Um, sure. But the fact is, there is no such thing. I, uh, you know, something I realized in my plane trade days is that, um, and I say these words now to every prospective franchisee and franchisor, there is no perfect franchisor. There's no perfect franchisee. Right. What we're looking for is to get as close as we can to the perfect match. And how does one go about finding that, that, that perfect match, Michael? Right. Um, lots of due diligence. Uh, and again, yeah. what I'm going to tell you is the other side of what I would tell a franchisor, kind of the other side of the coin. Um, it actually amazes me how many franchisors bring in a franchisee that they feel is the right fit. But they right. haven't quantified why they feel that um, and what, you know, what, what the needs are from that franchisee. So I tell a young franchisor, first figure out who won't work in your business or who, they, uh, you know, who you don't want to work with. Um, right. Maybe that's someone with no sales background or maybe it's someone with only a sales background uh, you know, or someone with too much or too little executive experience or something like that. So the reverse side of that for, for a prospective franchisee is first decide what you don't want to do. Now, that might be your day-to-day -day life. It might be the industry. It might be the size of the franchisor. You know, maybe you don't want to sell. Uh, maybe you don't want to have right. a ton of employees. Uh, maybe you don't want to work from home. I love working from home, by the way, but some people sure. don't. Um, right, right. Maybe you don't want to be in an industry that's heavily regulated or, you know, exceptionally, uh, you know, has a lot of disruptors or maybe you don't want to serve alcohol. You know, there's so many sure. different things you could say, don't right. want to do this. Right. And then uh, next thing I would tell a franchisor is decide what you have to have. You know, things like net worth, background, education. Uh, for a franchisee, it's decide what you're able to do, um, you know, based on your financing ability. If they, you know, if you want to go full time, do you want to keep your job? How long can you afford to go without an income? Um, and, right. you know, are you comfortable relocating? One of the brands I work with requires actually not one, but two relocations. So are you comfortable with relocation? Um, and then finally, and I, yeah, I got I to gotta stress this, this should be the last step. What do you want to do? You know, what passions are in your life? Uh, what passions in your business do you have? What type of work-life -life balance is important to you? Um, and what role do you want to play within your business? And if you start kind of with that exercise, you'll be ready to start looking at franchisors, really knowing what you're looking for and just instead of just poking at them and saying, hmm, I wonder if this looks like a good fit for me. That's a great, you know, I've never heard that, you know, in all the, the 12 years I've been doing the show, Michael, you know, is, is to look at it from the reverse side, you know, it's, it's really actually, it's very clever, you know, what don't you want to do, you know, because, you know, for years in doing the show, you know, a lot of the, the advice is, okay, what do you do want to do, but I, I think that really helps the process, doesn't it, by saying, okay, what don't you want to do, you know, I think that's even, I think it makes it a little bit easier, you know, almost in like finding that right match, you know, so I, I think that's, that's fantastic. So, so what's on your radar right now, Michael? I mean, what are some exciting spaces in the franchising industry? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and forgive me, there's a truck driving by my office, so oh, sorry, I just okay. got loud. <laughs> um, there's a few <laughs> obvious ones, right? Uh, senior care is an industry that's growing and is going to continue to grow for decades. 10,000 yeah. people a day hit 65 years of age. Yeah. Um, we've all got to eat. So food isn't going right. anywhere. And, in fact, it's getting more segmented, uh, which allows more businesses to enter. Um, you know, so you think about pizza. Fifteen years ago, there right. was pizza. Now there's like six different types of pizza franchises, and each one right. of them, you know, have right. really strong growth potential. But yeah. for me, there's actually two things that are really on my radar personally, and that's early, ed uh, early education and uh, experience-based mm. franchising. 
Um, we, you know, in the last 10 years or so, this economy has changed a lot to an experience-based economy. I personally think that has to do with uh, the fact that we document our whole lives now on social media. Uh, so you always want something to share, right? Uh, so that's why right, you see a right. franchise or a rocking jump. I don't know if you've heard of them, uh, indoor Sure, I've heard of them, yeah. Yes, I have. Okay. Um, or, you know, to get a little more on the adult uh, side, uh, Pino's Palette, a place where you drink sure. wine and have an art class, right? They're growing right, exponentially right. because they're delivering an experience. And by the way, I have nothing right. to do with either of those two brands. Um, but I recently, about six months ago, started representing a brand called Game Truck, which is a uh, mobile okay. arcade franchise. And I was super excited about that because people are spending so much more of their disposable income on experiences and memories. Yeah. So that's yeah. one thing. You know, experiential is huge. And then the other one is children. Um, as we become more of a global yeah. economy, we're starting to realize that we are way behind in this. The U.S. is 27th in the world in early childhood education. Um, so building kids franchise, when I met that, when I met them, which was just as they were launching their franchise, I was really excited to start talking to them. They're a preschool franchise. Uh, they've been around mm -hmm. since 2015. Uh, their growth has been phenomenal. Um, all their schools have waiting lists. And I believe that's because there's a huge unmet demand in that market. So, And it doesn't have to be preschool. You know, tutoring, anything right. that's really impacting that early type of childhood education I think is not going anywhere. Yeah, I, I would agree with all those industries that, and, and the ideas that, that you suggested, Michael. You know, I mean, those I, I, mean, I think are great uh, industries and franchises. Well, the, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Michael, is, I, you know, you and I have been doing this a long time now. You know, I mean, I got into franchising, I guess it was back in like 1999. And, you know, so there have been a lot of changes, you know, over the last like 18, 20 years. But what is the current state of franchising, Ben? I mean, what's the health of the franchise industry in, in 2018? I don't have a 20-year lens. I don't have quite that mm -hmm. long. Uh, but I've been in the business a little over 10 years. Uh, but to me, right now is a really exciting time. You know, I, I do a lot yeah. of franchise shows. Um, every franchise show I attend, I see new brands. Uh, and yeah. then I see them coming back the next year, which is awesome. Uh, you know, so not just coming right. and going. Um, and I see new concepts. I walk the halls of these franchise shows, and I look around, and I'm like, huh. I never would have thought that that would be a franchise. Yeah. And then you see them next year, and they're like, we have 200 franchisees. Um, so it's really an exciting time. Um, you know, just some real numbers, and uh, I kind of keep these at my fingertips. In 2016, franchising was uh, accounted for 13.2 million jobs, uh, $1.6 wow. trillion dollars in economic output, um, and it was 5.8% of our GDP. So I love the industry. I think it's a great time to be in it on either side of the coin, either as a franchisee or a franchisor or as a franchise consultant. Yeah, it's you know, it's interesting in going to the shows, Michael. I've always had the same experience, you know, so I'm always surprised at some of the industries that pop into franchising, but then you say, why not, you know, and then again, you're right, you right. see them come back the next year, and you say, you know what, I, I, I think there is something here. So maybe we can talk a little bit about Franchise Beacon, I mean, um, the book, and, you know, what's next for Michael Peterson? I'm going to tell you a funny story real quick before I do, though, based on what yeah. you just said. I had this idea one time for, I saw a breathalyzer in a bar, you know, just, yeah. it was supposedly a game, and I'm like, huh. That would be a cool franchise. I'd just been in franchising about six months. And I'm whatever. Right. The idea went away. 
three years later, I saw one at the franchise show uh, in New York, and then the next year I saw him again, and then I saw him again the next year as one of the, I think they're uh, you know, one of the top 20 fastest-growing franchises in the country. So literally, you can franchise anything, and if you've got the right, right. business model, it will work. So Franchise Beacon. We our primary thing is we help make franchisors. Uh, to become a franchisor is expensive, uh, and we yeah. try to make sure that the the business owner understands what it takes to become a successful franchisor. And then if they have what it takes, we want to guide them to get there. So we work with them to get the FDD done. We design a right. marketing plan, advertising materials, and then for you know most of our brands, we handle the entire franchise recruitment process. Now we also for other brands, we also just do that just franchise recruitment. Right. Uh, the book, How and Why to Franchise Your Business, is a quick, easy read. It's almost as quick as I just said it. Uh, it's about 120 pages. Uh, I wrote it because I felt like there was something missing in franchise literature. There's a ton of franchise right. books out there. There's really good ones. I happen to count a few of the authors as personal friends. But yeah. one of the things I felt was missing was some serious, actionable items. Um, so not only do I walk through the process of becoming a franchisor, but you've got real numbers in there, like you know what should you look at for cost per lead, for cost per sale. I've got sample budgets ranging from a couple thousand dollars a month to a few hundred thousand dollars a year. And you know I have the unique experience of having managed a $2,000 a month franchise recruitment budget and having managed a $500,000 a year franchise recruitment budget. Believe it or not, the book actually even has scripts. So for that uh, initial wow. call, what do you say in the first 90 seconds? I've got it scripted out in there for you uh, to, to look at. Uh, and Great. then to your last question, what's next for Michael Peterson? I actually have uh, a few exciting things going on. Uh, Franchise Beacon is and probably will you know, for the foreseeable future remain my main focus. Uh, we're developing some very strong brands. Uh, but I'm also working on my next book. Uh, which is going to be called 20 Questions Every New Franchisor Asks. Uh, I'm developing a lot of content. Right now I'm in the middle of writing what's called the Ultimate Franchise Sales Guide, which is probably going to be a free e-book. And so uh, working on uh, some collaborations with some industry leaders on both of those. Um, And finally, I'm working with a close friend of mine, uh, Brian Birnbaum. One of the companies that I moved here to Dallas to represent was a company called Liquid Capital. And Brian was the founder and president of that company, just retired last week. Uh, they're very large in the franchising business, uh, you know, multinational, 100 franchisees. Uh, so we're launching a new company in the franchise services space. It's called Global Franchise Services Corp. Uh, it's going to provide non-traditional working capital and growth funding for franchisees. So kind of, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's not super hard to get funding right. for a startup franchise. But once you're open, it can be super challenging in those first couple of years to manage cash flow. So that's what we're going to be concentrating on. Brian's been in the space for over 40 years uh, in financing and then in the franchise space for 20. Um, and so I'm stoked to be working with Brian. Again, over the last four years, we've become friends, and, and he, I consider him a mentor, and his experience is amazing. And so I'm excited to be working with him on that. So that's kind of the next thing on my radar. It's, so I, you're, if I can guess, I mean, you, you're probably going to be doing this. I imagine, Michael, I, it seems like the rest of your career, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's franchising that you just enjoy. This is your passion. I could see you, you know, have you and I having a conversation 20 years from today, and we'll, we'll probably still be talking about franchising, won't we? <laughs> I don't see myself leaving this industry. I didn't understand this industry until I started into it. 
But now that I see the potential in it over the last 12 years, I can't imagine myself going anywhere else. And I've kind of made every, you know, I've kind of studied every facet of it. So I'd hate to put that knowledge to bed. So, yeah, I think I'm here for a while. It's such a great service, too, that you provide, Michael, you know, because, you know, I, you know, we've had a lot of like newer concepts on the show over the last 12 years, you know, and, you know, I can see, you know, I mean, a lot of them, I mean, they just, they just don't know where to begin. You know what I mean? And they really mm-hmm. need a service like yourself. You know, a lot of times, you know, you'll have a great business, whether it's Tony's Pizzeria, you know, and they realize that they can duplicate the concept all throughout the States. But, I mean, franchising is just such a different animal, isn't it? You know, I mean, to leave it up it to the founder of the company, it's, it's, it's very difficult to do on your own, isn't it? It is. And what a lot of potential uh, franchisors do, first thing is they go to an attorney. Right? And I have some really right. strong uh, friends uh, in, the atter- uh, in the franchise attorney space, but they're attorneys. Right. Right? Uh, they, and so exactly. they're guiding you on the legal side. And so to have somebody that can answer questions on the business side uh, as right. a young franchisor is huge. And I will plug this, by the way, real quick. I do yeah. work with a few very select franchisors as they're con- actual consultant, but I also do a mm-hmm. lot of free training. So anybody, yeah, I, I love to be there for young franchisors just to, hey, Mike, I got a quick question. You know, what should we do about this? Um, it's it's uh, something that's missing in the industry or, or not, not. There's definitely a gap there, and I love to fill that when I can. That's terrific. What's the best way, Michael, for our listeners to get more information on, on, on everything you do, the book, the services? I mean, are there a couple of websites that they can go to to get more information? Yeah, so, I mean, starting point is Franchise Beacon, right? www.franchisebeacon.com. Beacon is okay. spelled like a lighthouse. Uh, okay. You know, if you Google Michael Peterson and franchising, uh, you'll find a ton of stuff. Make sure you put the word franchising in. I didn't kill my wife, and I'm not a country singer, uh, and those are the two most popular <laughs> Michael Petersons. <laughs> uh, but if you throw the word franchising behind it, you'll find me, uh, my LinkedIn and my Facebook and my websites and all that good stuff. That's fantastic. Well, I really enjoyed having as well. Okay, that's fantastic. I really enjoyed having you on this show, Michael. And I'm going to have to invite you back because uh, I have more questions for you. You know, as as you continue to grow. Coming up on segment two, you're going to hear what every franchisepreneur needs to know before buying a franchise. We're going to play a clip from our popular "Great Quotes in Franchising" podcast right here on Franchise Interviews. Today's great quote in franchising is being brought to you by Franchise Teacher. Would you like to know how to franchise your concept or grow your franchise business? Meet the experts at Franchise Teacher. The goal of Franchise Teacher is to teach, coach, consult, and advise. The team of experts at Franchise Teacher will evaluate your business model and present you with a winning business strategy. Franchise Teacher will help you decide whether or not your concept works and if it's franchisable. Franchise Teacher is proud to have over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Franchise Teacher are developers of over a dozen franchise systems, which include brick and mortar as well as home based concepts of nearly 3,000 combined franchise locations. Whether you need to add more units or get more customers, Franchise Teacher can help. We will teach. Franchise Teacher will help you learn our proven system. Coach. Franchise Teacher will help you provide a game plan to succeed. Consult. Franchise Teacher will make sure you stay on track. 
and advise. Franchise Teacher will help you learn from our over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Take advantage of our free, no-obligation phone consultation. Simply go to FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. That's FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. Hi everyone, this is Marty McDermott, the President of Franchise Interviews, and welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising, which podcast you get to hear a great quote in franchising. You know, we've been hosting franchise interviews many years now, and during that time we've had some incredible quotes and lessons on our show. And if you go to our About Us page on FranchiseInterviews.com, you'll take notice on why we started the podcast and radio show, Franchise Interviews, and it suggests that every business has a story. And that's really been our experience in doing all of these podcasts and radio shows. It's every show we do, you'll notice that every franchisor, every franchisee has an amazing story related to franchising. Today's great quote in franchising podcast comes from Tony Luffy. And Tony Luffy is the chief executive officer of the Marlowe Investment Group. And the Marlowe Investment Group are franchise owners of some very popular franchise systems such as Little Caesars, Sizzler, Jack in the Box, Arby's, Church's Chicken, and most recently Sears Appliance and Hardware Stores. And Tony talks about the difference between opportunity and regret. There's another great quote uh, relating to opportunity. And again, we talk a lot about opportunity on our weekly radio show. It's said that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. But let's hear what Tony says about the difference between opportunity and regret. That we've been able to do in a, on a large scale. It's it's amazing. If you go back to the beginning, Tony, I mean, were your goals, <clears throat> I mean, today, I mean, you're you're as large as like 200 plus units, but I mean, back then, I mean, when you go back to the beginning, I mean, w- was that your goal in the beginning or was this kind of like a, just like a natural progression over time? It's both. Um, both. Really, when, when I, in the early 90s, when I finally became a partner, a 10% partner of a small company, I wanted to get to 50 units before I turned 50. So I don't know if that goal was really feasible in my head, but that was the dream. Um, But the goal, the the most important part of it was I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I wanted to be independent, and I wanted to allow my ability to manage people and work with people to, to develop into something that was bigger. I didn't know the size uh, nor did I plan for it to be a you know a number of revenue, whether it's ten million or five million, whatever it was. Right, it was right. really finding a way to make a living and support my family at the same time, satisfying my personal need, which is to be an entrepreneur. Um, and and really, once that took place, it was more about the opportunities that came our way. And I always mm-hmm. say, the difference between opportunity and regret is being ready. So if you're ready, you see the opportunity as an opportunity. Otherwise, you spend a lifetime regretting the fact that you missed the opportunity. So so to me, it's about being ready. And I've always worked so hard to make sure that we are ready for whenever that opportunity came our way. 
That's fantastic. We have this um, <clears throat> great quotes in franchising uh, podcast. We're gonna we're gonna put that quote in there, Tony, if you don't mind. I, I think that's that is very powerful. Maybe we could talk a little bit about um, your company. I mean, the Marlow Investment Group. I mean. The- if you'd like to hear that whole interview with Tony Luffy, all you have to do is go to FranchiseInterviews.com, and you can go to our Franchises Listed Alphabetically page and simply go to the Marlowe Investment Group, and you can hear that whole interview. Um, we have that interview also in our About Us page, and you can go to Franchise Interviews by category as well and go under the food category because that's where most of Tony's franchises are um, located within his portfolio. And lastly, we'd just like to thank everyone for making this podcast such a tremendous success. It's amazing how many people have listened to the podcast over the years so um, it's really been wonderful and we'll see you again soon with another edition of great quotes in franchising from franchise interviews take care everyone franchise interviews from eastern pennsylvania to sydney australia you're listening to franchise interviews franchise interviews Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.